I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. Folks, it doesn't matter whether you're chasing world-class performance or just simply looking to optimize energy and health throughout your big life. Inside Tracker can provide the backbone of recommendations and interventions for your nutrition, diet, and lifestyle changes. Founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging genetics and biometrics and using their patented algorithm, Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on inside of you. We love it, our athletes utilize it, and we wanted to share it with you. And so, for a limited time, you can get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store. All you need to do is head to insidetracker.com slash purple patch podcast. Fill in your information and hey presto, 25% off the whole store. We think you should get involved. Now, back to the show. And welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. As ever, your host, Matt Dixon. And today, our final nutrition case study. Yes, this series of three case studies with one Scott Tindler fuel in. And today is all about one for the serious athletes. We are discussing Andy Williams. Andy has been with Purple Patch for just over a year. But in that time, he has emerged to become a very regular podium feature across half Ironman and Ironman racing. And when he joined, he was mildly overtrained, rather frustrated with his initial Ironman experiences, and was sort of undone in Ironman racing to a combination of fatigue going in, fueling, hydration issues. And he joined with a quest, a simple quest to get more out of himself and hopefully with an outcome that will bring him further up the performance ladder. Well, as we edge towards the end of his very first season, he secured no less than four age group podiums, a fifth place in his age group at the recent Ironman 70.3 World Championship, secured an Ironman PR by more than two hours. Goodness, Andy, those first ones were grim, weren't they? And also qualifying in the process for the Ironman Hawaii World Championship. I should remind Andy at this stage, before his ears bang the doorframe on the way out of the door, that he is still Welsh. And you hear Scott talk about that a little bit later. No matter how hard you try, that Welshness will never wash off Andy. Now, of course, I would here, sitting here with big, big boy pants on, I would say that all of Andy's success is down to me. But the truth is that one of the big fixes with the valuable insights and programming of our guest today, Scott Tyndall of Fuelin. Scott has supported Andy on his quest in tailoring critical specific eating habits, fueling and hydration for training and racing, and some hands-on testing of those so that we could really enter races with high confidence and empowered to make smart decisions along the fly. And so he really dove in to the pillar of nutrition, and that's our topic today. Now, as you'll hear in the show, Scott also guided Andy through some heat adaptation protocols, and those really helped him in high performance, particularly in the hot races, Oklahoma, St. George, and of course, the looming Ironman Hawaii. 
Yes, Andy Williams, a case study in performance nutrition. But before we dig into that, we're going to dig in with a squatty update. A pretty simple one for the squatty update this week. We have a lot to tell you because we've got three big events coming up and these are not to be missed. So let me list them out. The first one that I'm really excited about, it's a goodie. We're titling it The Platform of Health. And I, along with dietitian Stephen Lynn Smith and other members of the Inside Tracker team, are all getting together to discuss how you building a platform of health for your performance. So whether you spend your time chasing kids around or just chasing towards a world championship, you know that performance is built on a platform of health. And so we decided to have a really important discussion so that we can try and piece together a roadmap of performance, including nutrition, energy management, how tracking biometrics can actually help simplify your focus and decision making, and even what supplements might help and others that you can flush down the loop. So I'm really looking forward to this, and I think it's going to be great, but it's really soon. In fact, if you're listening to this show on release date, it's tomorrow, October the 21st. Now, if you've missed it, you listen to the show and think, oh, darn, I could have joined that. That would have been great. Don't fret. We're happy to send you the recording. Just simply register at the link on the website or in the show notes, and we'll send you the recording, and I promise you it'll be well worth it. We've also got a nice meetup coming up for those athletes that are racing Ironman Florida. It's a live webinar and Q&A with me. It's on Tuesday, October the 26th, and same rules apply, folks. Register and we'll send you a recording so that you can make sure that even if you can't attend live at the time, you can, of course, make sure that you get the essential information to have you have a great day on that iconic Ironman course. And finally, a really inspirational one, I'd say, November the 16th, it is a chance for you to hear me frame a path towards you having a life event, your very first Ironman. If you're sitting on the fence, or perhaps you've already registered for an event next year, or even you think, I'd love to do that, but I just can't, not in the boundaries of my time-starved life. I, I, I just can't do that. It's not for me. I don't have enough time. If you're in any of those camps, join me. Seriously, come along, because I'm going to lay the path for you of what a journey towards a first Ironman should look like. And to ensure that the journey and the quest isn't just a big monkey on your back or the back of your families, and really try and help you frame a roadmap in which you can actually love the journey, thrive, not just in sport, but across life, but also be really successful in the challenge. November the 16th. Now, all of these webinars and sessions are free. They are open to absolutely anyone. And as always, we will record each of them and follow up the session with further education and that recording posted to you, perhaps by Carrier Pigeon. Absolutely no strings attached, just something we love to do. Help educate, guide, and inspire. Just invite your friends or anyone that you think might be benefited from any of the events. All right, that'll do for the squatty update. Barry, right into it, brother. Let's do, what do they call it? Word of the week. We like the way he thinks. Serious with the wings. Let's open the book. It's time to take a peek. It's the Dixonary Word of the Week. 
Yes, the word of the week this week, guys, strong. It really should be strong like bull, but I'm just going to keep it simple, strong. And this week for word of the week, I'm going to be all vain, selfish. I'm going to talk about myself. Look at me, ladies and gentlemen. Well, not quite, but I will tell you that I'm getting strong. And perhaps that is a little exaggeration. But I am now six, one, two, three, four, five, six, six sessions into my 2021 into 2022 commitment to be really consistent with strength and conditioning. Two sessions a week, all the way from now through next year. And I have to say that while I'm following along our video coaching, I'm really quite enjoying it. But what I enjoy more is the accountability that I'm getting for our very own Purple Patch athletes that have all infused and very graciously, I might add, perhaps for their own performance, maybe, but I'm just looking at it through the lens that they're helping me. They are coming along with the journey and they are participating as well, sometimes live, sometimes on their own or on demand, but following the same strength program so that we can share and unite. We're all going to get strong like bull. So just from one little comment on this show, hence spawned a connected community of athletes across the world holding each other to account and following the video strength, whether they follow it on video on demand or one of our crazy watch live watch parties, we collectively share with our struggles. Goodness me, hollow rocks were awful. Look at Matt's crazy mobile hips, but he does have arms like wet noodles and on and on and on. But what's happened almost a month in now is that we have a community, a community of athletes that are sharing on the journey, hold each other to account and more keep joining each week. And with that is a shared sense of reporting and following, making sure that, yes, I'm doing it. I'm going to squeeze it in both the joys and the struggles, but also realizing that a miss will be noted by your peers. And, you know, the fun thing, it's completely split in gender, 50-50 from folks in their 30s up to their 70s, from Bay Area to Sydney, Australia, from Kansas to Paris, all unified with a renewed commitment to strength from now so that they can absolutely amplify what I talk about as being one of the most important phases of training off-season. Now, this video strength is all integrated into our one-to-one coaching or squad program, so it is absolutely open for you to join us And so let me treat the word of the week this week as an invitation from me to you to join, not just me, but our community so that you can get support and accountability in very accessible video strength tailored specifically for endurance focused performance enthusiasts. I promise you, if I can do the sessions, you can too. Squad or one-to-one programming and reach out to us, info at Purple Patch Fitness if you need help. My only question, Am I going to get too bulky? Not a chance, mate. Okay, with that, it's time for the meat and potatoes, ladies and gentlemen, because we are talking all about nutrition. It is time, pardon the pun, Barry, it is time for the meat and potatoes. And here we are again, it is the meat and potatoes. And once again, we get to welcome back the man, 
Scott Tindall with Fuel In. Welcome back. We are talking nutrition. Thanks so much for coming back on the show. Thanks, Matty. Great to be here. We, uh, we held hands. We went through Anne. We hugged and then we went through Pat. And now, well, I'm not sure what comes after this, but we are going to talk today about Andy Williams. Goodness me. What a good show. But before we dive into Andy Williams, we are going to I hesitate to do this because he's going to puff his feathers by calling him an elite amateur. But Andy, that one is for you. Uh, we are going to focus on Andy and what you have done to help Andy on his performance over the course of this fantastic year of triathlon that he's had. But before we get going, I do want to come back to the program fuel in a little bit. Based on the first two, two shows that we did, the first with Anne Nier, second with Pat Romano, we got a, a host of questions in. And there was a theme of questions that I thought would be really useful just for you to give a, a quick snippet in, and then we can dive into Andy. And that's around the, the fueling program, and particularly the app component of the program, knowing that athletes can obviously work directly with you one-to-one, -one, but you also have a co-pilot, almost autonomous program, or a, a, a sort of autopilot, sorry, autonomous program and co-pilot where it's a little bit more of a group setting. But the theme of questions that many folks have asked is, what's the experience like? And I think that this comes out of a little bit of hesitation of athletes around nutrition programs globally. And I know it's actually been similar for me, where it's, you must eat this. Here is your meal plan. You've got to go and have your breakfast. And if you don't have egg whites with avocado with a particular whole wheat tortilla, you are failing dismally. So can you maybe just give a couple of minutes on what the app experience is like and how you set up recommendations of your eating? Yeah, thanks, Maddie. Um, it's probably the reason why I created the system that I created alongside, you know, obviously athletes, but it was that common complaint that, you know, who am I to tell you to, as you say, eat egg whites or, uh, you know, a piece of chicken on a Tuesday night because I don't know if you've got that in your fridge. So the system is built around, firstly, carbohydrate periodization. So um, the system uses a traffic light system whereby you know, red is lower carb, amber is moderate, and green is higher. And that, that's pretty much how the system is laid out uh, before session, during session, after session. In terms of the way people can then work out the rest of the macronutrients, we provide multiple recipes and multiple food choices uh, within the app associated with each of those colors. So you can click on that, you can browse through it, you can search through it, um, typing in what you want. If you want to eat eggs that morning, we'll give you options for what eggs you can eat. If you want to eat a cereal or if you want to have overnight oats or oatmeal or anything like that, as long as it fits the color coding, then you can eat whatever you want. So, you know, give an example, if it's a red meal in the evening, because it's a lower carbohydrate meal, you're probably going to choose um, there'll be an option for several types of salads because uh, vegetables do have carbohydrates, which again, always astounds me that most people don't associate vegetables and salads with carbohydrates, but um, you know, that's another topic. Uh, so yeah, you get that. And then probably a multitude of different proteins, whether you're want to eat fish, whether it's steak, whether it's uh, chicken, or if you're a vegetarian or vegan, giving you an option of something like temper or Satan or tofu. So, you know, really whatever is in your fridge, you can make that work. It's, it's not like I'm ever going to tell you 
you have to eat this on this particular day. Um, you know, PDFs, my experience with that as well is PDFs don't work is because yeah. exactly as you said, like, you know, it's going to work for two weeks, isn't it? Where you're, you're getting up on a Wednesday morning and cooking a, a turkey mince egg scramble, but then the following Wednesday you forget to go and buy your turkey mince and suddenly the whole program falls apart. So, yeah, that that's probably the, the easiest way to describe it is that you have full autonomy over what you want to eat as long as you stick within those very simple guidelines of, uh, you know, the traffic light system for the carbohydrates and your protein and fat amounts are broken down each day as well. So, it, I'm sure it's very similar with uh, athletes getting used to training via zones or mm. some, some folks like to use training scratch where it becomes a language, a part of your language. And, and I actually saw this in action when I went for a coffee with Jonathan, the, uh, the founder of Fuel In, who, who is not a performance nutritionist himself. But he, uh, I saw him getting out the app and I, I wondered what he was doing. And, uh, and he was just checking, oh, yeah, this is, uh, you know, this is an amber or for the Americanos of the audience, uh, you know, a sort of orange day, mid-level carb day. And he looked up at the menu and he thought, I'll have a bit of that. And, uh, and it sort of, I guess, creates high flexibility of what you feel like as well as if you're at a restaurant or something along those lines. Eh? Yeah, and that's exactly right. I mean, you, you've got to have flexibility. The best diet is one that works for you, uh, you know, if, it, if it's super strict and super restrictive, then it's only gonna work for a limited amount of time. So I think for me, the proof is in the pudding with the longevity of the athletes that are on the program where, you know, athletes are staying on the program for nearly, well, we've got athletes at two years now um, who've yeah. been on the program who have either moved from the one-to-one -one down to the autopilot because you know, the one-to-one, -one, as we've said, is very, in, it is a bit more intense. It's obviously, you know, more expensive and, you know, it's not for everyone, but the autopilot provides them with the same detail of planning and programming and syncing in with today's plan or training peaks. And, and that gives them that opportunity to have that detailed plan without, hopefully, without the overriding cost. You know, we, we have a very similar philosophy at Purple Patch. I, I call it graduate down. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, but, um have a lot of athletes that are utilizing our, our squad program, our tri-squad program that I have worked with one-to-one -one and have sort of gone through, got a lot of the knowledge and education transfer, become what I always hope for an athlete, really empowered, a little bit more autonomous as, as they joke, I know what you're going to say. And then they're able to sort of self-manage and they come onto the squad program and we've had athletes for, for years on squad and been really autonomous coming down from individual coaching, whether it's me or one of the other purple patch coaches. I will say as well, by the way, we have a nice, which I guess is is potential in fuel in. I'm, I'm just guessing this, but we also have athletes that think, oh, okay, I'm, I really want to turn it up for these six months, getting ready for Ironman X, I've qualified to Hawaii or whatever it might be, and move back to an individual coach for a time to have a little bit of fluidity if they do need a refresher course or a little bit more sort of um, intensive programming, as it were. So it seems like a really, really nice and, and flexible program. Yeah, I, look, I, I think what you've talked about there, it's a really nice segue into Andy as well, because, you know, we were just talking before and, you know, what was the biggest thing with Andy? And I think it was upskilling and I'm sure at one point he will he'll probably uh, leave me from one-to-one -one and maybe upskill and uh, go on to sort of more the automated thing as he as he knows 
what to do. And I think as, as a coach, certainly as a nutritionist, you hope that you upskill someone to the point where maybe they don't need you to hold their hand um, as mm-hmm. much and they have the knowledge and they can sort of go about it themselves as long as they've got the structure there to help them. And I think that's always, it's always a really nice thing when you empower someone to that point where they actually get it and, you know, you have a call with them to discuss stuff and they sort of are telling you what they're doing and why they're doing it and you're like, that's perfect. That's, that's absolutely bang on. And, you know, you, you know you've done your job well in that case. So. Well, that, it's, a, it's a wonderful segue to Andy. Let, let me introduce Andy. And uh, I've been working with Andy for, for just over a year now. You've been working with Andy for nine months. I, I thought a nice way to introduce Andy would m- maybe for me to spend a couple of minutes framing what I saw as Andy from an athlete starting my journey with him. And, uh, and we worked with each other for a few months and then we introduced you to the programming and I'd love to hear your first sort of thoughts and observations around Andy as an athlete. And then we can talk about the interventions that, that, because this is mostly around two things, I think, for Andy. Firstly, as you mentioned, upskilling around nutrition and fueling, as well as some of the heat preparation we work that we did. Um, so, so I'll go first. And Andy, mid-30s, uh, fantastic guy, uh, based in uh, Southern California, Los Angeles area. And, uh, and when he joined me, I would say he is a very, very ambitious age group athlete and, and a good athlete. He's certainly a, a good athlete, comes from a, a swimming background, good runner, uh, a re- relatively good bike rider as well. But I would say one, one of the almost classic relatively physically talented athletes that were struggling to put trained potential into race day performance. And one of the things that I really observed from a coaching standpoint was the immediate lack of return. He was the classic sort of antithesis to what I would call a purple patch athlete. He was going into races without doubt, fit and fatigued, cramming into his pretty busy life a lot of training load, a lot of hours, and many of the hours not really anchored in purpose. I think the word specificity is sometimes overused, but real purpose. Of the 10 sessions he was doing a week, which were the ones were the really important sessions, which were the ones that were more supportive? And he didn't have clarity around that. I think he was drawing in philosophies and advice from a lot of different areas and was reliant on work ethic and toughness to get him there. And the performances weren't good relative to firstly, the level of athlete that he was at the baseline level and certainly relative to how many, um, how many hours he was putting in. And so I would say that the biggest intervention that I did with Andy as a coach was start to try and shift the program from overtraining to smart training, trying to define a little bit more purpose and understanding of the meaning behind each session, enabling him to have the courage to go very, very easy on uh, some of the sessions that were necessary that were more supportive so that he could really yield high, high performance and output from the sessions that were more focused. So that was my, my big element. His goal was to qualify to the Hawaii Ironman 
But really, his goal before that was put together an Ironman race. He'd done two Ironman races, both of them completely derailed, one with GI distress, one with bonking due to heat and probably underfueling. We'll get into that with you, obviously. And been consistent in half Ironman, but nowhere near what I felt like his train potential was. So we really tried to get more specific. He did very, very well. I would say a rapid responder, mostly because he was healthy, energetic, and could yield adaptations from the work he was doing. But then in February this year, after I actually saw Andy for a block of training in person, I suggested that maybe his fueling and hydration and whole approach to that side of eating could really benefit with a bit of refinement beyond my advice. And so I introduced him to you, and I'd love to hear your first thoughts of when Andy came to you, what were your observations, Scotty? Uh, Andy, the jolly little Welshman that he is. Uh, <laughs> obviously, his accent, I mean, I'm commenting on accents, but uh, he's got a great accent. He's a, he's a, a wonderful guy to talk to. Uh, he's always very happy. And I think the greatest thing about him, he was just willing to learn. He, I mean, yep. when you read his responses, he, he's all like, oh, I just do this, I take this, and I'm not really sure why I do it, but I do it, and I'd love to learn more. I mean, one of his things is, I mean, I was reading through his responses prior to this chat, and he was just like, I, I just want to maximize my health and my performance. Uh, and he just didn't know how to do that, I think is, it wasn't necessarily he was doing anything wrong, he just wasn't doing anything really specific. And so I think when we started talking and started working together, it was about creating more specificity in his nutrition, which probably related to more specificity in his training. So, so give me give me some specifics there a little bit um, before you, you sort of talked about some of the maybe random supplements or his approach to sort of protein or carbohydrate. What, what did that look like for Andy? Because I think it's very, very common for athletes to take his approach that he was sort of thing. Yeah, he, you know, with protein, he was sort of like, uh, I think I take somewhere around 150 grams of protein. He wasn't quite sure, which was pretty good for an endurance athlete, and especially someone who weighs 100 and what's he, 155 pounds, 71 kilos. Mm. He was probably taking on what he thought was the right amount of protein. However, I don't think he actually was hitting that number. So what he thought he was doing versus what was reality, that was the difference there. In terms of fat, he just said, oh, I love fat, but he didn't really know what he was eating or why he was eating it. And then same with carbohydrates. He was like, I don't have a big view on it, but I, I love it and I'm just not sure when I should be eating it or what types of carbohydrates I should be eating. And that was based around food. That was food first and foremost. When you get into things like supplements, you know, in terms of carbohydrate supplements, he just had very limited idea of what to eat and when to eat them or how much to eat. So that was a big turning point. I think you mentioned, you know, in his second Ironman, he had a complete meltdown um, as a result of bonking. He just ran out of fuel because I think he was so tainted by the first one where he, you know, literally had, you know, disaster pants and had GI issues that he then ended up being so scared of consuming some type of supplement on the bike and the run that he ended up bonking. And so, mm -hmm. again, it was just about upskilling him and improving his knowledge and improving what he 
knew about his body in terms of uh, you know fueling requirements, hydration requirements, and so on. So, so give me some specifics on sort of the interventions because you mentioned you know he, he didn't really know how many calories he was consuming over the course of a race or how many calories he should be. He didn't know his sweat rate. He didn't know the concentration of his sweat. So he was, you sort of mentioned upskill. What, give us, give the listeners a, a couple of, a step-by-step process of what your interventions were to help him and how you went about upskilling him. Yeah. Um, so in terms of, I mean, you mentioned a number of things there. I think first thing was about establishing baselines for him. So as you know, I've talked about before, we, we did like a DEXA scan. We got some blood tests done from a practical standpoint for him. In terms of sweat rate, we started recording what his sweat rate was. So weighing himself before sessions, weighing himself after sessions, recording how much fluid he consumed, what types of fluids he consumed, working that out. So then he started to realize, okay, less than 85 Fahrenheit, he's sweating at around 900 to a liter per hour. Over 85, he's moving up. He suddenly sees a sweat rate of about 1.3 liters per hour. That's on, you know, that's at that temperature now then you also do those sweat rates on the bike and the run so you see that the run in less than 85 creeps up to sort of 1.2 liters per hour the run at temperatures over 85 he's getting up around 1.5 liters per hour so and you'll typically see this in athletes where their sweat rate will be higher on the run than what it will be on the bike so what that meant is he then can start planning you know how much fluids he should have on the bike and what he should do from a practical standpoint, how many bottles should he have? Should he have two behind him? Should he have a central tube? Should he, a central bottle? Should he have, um, you know, I think Andy from Correct races in a bike with uh, the central reservoir built into the bike. So, you know, he can start planning out exactly how much he needs based on the temperature of the race, which again is a game changer when you're, you're going into a race looking at the, you know, the weather forecast and thinking, okay, it's going to be 110 at the peak of, you know, the run. Okay, my sweat rate's going to be higher. I know that I've got to consume more and then work out your race plan based around that. So I think that for him, that was, and it's not hard. Again, it just comes down to doing it repeatedly. And, you know, what, you know, I'll I'll say like what the app does and, and the app is just the app. You know, it's just a delivery mechanism of the program. The program is the important thing and the program is about repetition. So for him, it was about Andy, like, okay, one data point is one data point. But, you know, same thing with Pat, same thing with Anne. It's like, you've got to do repeated measures in order to see patterns. So it was just about him doing repeated sweat tests so that he understood how much he he needs. And it was no different with the carbohydrates. You know, his thing was I bonked. You know, bonking is pretty inexcusable, I think, for a race, isn't it? Like, you know, you just have to eat. You just have to eat carbohydrates and you won't bonk. Um, but, you know, clearly he went into that race having underfueled going into it and then underfueling during it because of his experience with GI issues, which, you know, I say all you have to do is eat. But if you haven't practiced eating and then go into a race and try and consume you know, 90 grams of carbohydrates an hour, you probably are going to end up with GI distress. So again, you know, we had to, we had to get him, you know, practicing carbohydrate consumption. 
and and one of the big things we did wasn't it was we we looked at simulating races in training so the what i call the 9090s which terrify a lot of athletes you know doing 90 minutes on the bike and then a 90 minute run and i think it horrified you when we first started doing these with uh you know sarah p and people like that it's like oh that doesn't sound good but it, it works because you know it's based on science you know the guys ricardo costa down at monash uni i remembered when i spent time with him and you know they're doing repeated carbohydrate uh testing with metcarts for three hours looking at heat stress injury and they know that you know after that sort of three hour mark that that's when issues start to exist in the gut lining with this heat stress injury and if you can push athletes into that period and do repeated carbohydrate feeds then you're going to get much better data out of that and you're going to get a much better understanding of what the athlete can handle and you know when we did that with andy wasn't it it was like oh okay we start to see what he can do and what he can what he can actually tolerate yeah that was uh, from, from a coaching standpoint that was about every three weeks for for many even sometimes actually every other week anchoring a session and this was this was challenging because this was sit 90 minutes of bike riding at a relatively high intensity to put the athlete under duress and then 90 minutes of um of pretty hard work at or above race pace and um and i think that beyond just training the gut to fuel as well what it what it offered is getting into a place of similar physiological stress which i think is your point there that the athlete is going to experience under race conditions and then seeing that balance between amount of carbohydrate that can be absorbed and what the best source is that the athlete actually likes and then how much hydration to support that how much hydration and what's the concentration because andy went through the precision hydration sweat testing we understood his concentration of, of uh, sodium loss as well but it was that that started to build also, I think, a bit of confidence for Andy to have levers to pull. Would, would you agree with that? Like those sessions became really important as not just knowledge transfers, but refinement of these are the carbs that work for me. These are the ones that work under heat. These are the ones that work when I'm three hours in and I'm suffering. And then you can actually build out a strategic plan. Was, was that sort of anchored a lot around the fueling and hydration side? Yeah, I you know, he's a funny little Welshman, isn't he? I think he actually enjoys the 1990s and, you know, he sort of, he, he really, you know, he looked forward to those sessions, I think, because what he got out of it was he knew that he was learning. He was learning about his body and learning what he could do. And as you said, like, you know, they were all zone three plus sessions where he was probably above, you know, race pace, but he was pushing uh you know not just the training but he was pushing the nutrition and in doing so he knew that he was going above what he probably required in the race so that when it got to the race and we knew he was prepared and he had he had wiggle room um you know where we had him feeding every sort of 15 minutes and he's consuming you know whatever product he wanted you know we obviously removed him from a carbohydrate um, fluid uh, for reasons around, um, you know, a hypertonic solution sitting in the gut. He wasn't happy with his runoff. So we moved him to gels. We moved him to blocks. He's very comfortable in that for a 70.3 distance. That's all he needs. As I said, he's only 155 pounds. 
So we knew that we could get him up to sort of that 90 grams an hour quite comfortably where, you know, that's what 1.4 grams per kilo body weight for carbohydrates, which is, you know, for him, I don't think he needs to go too much above that and he feels great with it. I mean, we have started pushing him up over 100 grams. He's had sessions where he's consumed 120 grams on the bike. But what that does is set him up for the run so that he's got, again, he, he doesn't, if he can get, you know, he uses endurance tap. It's a um, maple syrup carbohydrate shot. It's very liquid. So it's very easy to consume. And then it goes down super quick. And for him, if he doesn't feel he needs one every 15 minutes, he's got a little bit of, you know, leeway, as I said, to sort of say, you know what, I'm just going to let things settle. I'm going to listen to my body. I've got enough carbs on board. I'm not going to bonk. The most important thing is that you keep, you know, to the race plan and keep, you know, the pace up. And so, you know, again, it was building confidence in the athlete. I think as much as anything is, you know, ensuring that he had the right fuel on board and the right hydration. The uh, the, the interesting part of that, just for, for listeners that are not steeped in the world of carbohydrates, you think you're talking about 90, 90 to 100 grams of carbohydrate that Andy's consuming in a race. So there's four calories for every gram of carbohydrate, basically. And um, so... This is a lot of calories relative to what a lot of listeners might be used to. But the first time that that we collectively, the team, Andy, most importantly, put this to the test was in a hot Ironman race. Now, he had done two races. He'd shut down for two different reasons, GI distress, and then understandably pulling way back because he was scared of GI distress. Goes to Oklahoma. Thanks, Andy. You choose a nice hot one to begin no GI distress at all, following the program with confidence, managed, I think, managed the day really well where your sort of empowerment of, all right, I'm going to let the GI system settle a little bit. I'm feeling a little burpy. going to give it an extra five, seven minutes here. Okay, now I'm back on top. But um, it's not very often that you have athletes go and do a two and a half or three hour PR in an Ironman. It just shows what a catastrophe the other two were. But that was, boom, first time out of the gate. And all it was was nothing magical. Like it was obviously a huge PR for him, but it was a trained potential into race day performance that straight away got him his big ambition, qualified to the world championships. And most importantly, a massive amount of confidence and a platform to build from. It wasn't a dream performance. It was the performance that we anticipated. And I think that's a, a great thing probably for you as a nutritionist to be able to have, have built from there, yeah? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously you get nervous watching the uh, the Ironman tracker and seeing where they're doing and, you know, you're watching the speed and the pace at which they're going on the bike and the run, um, you know, and you're just you're looking at it going, okay, he's continuing. You're always looking to see if that pace drops off. And as soon as you <laughs> as soon as you see the pace drop off, you're like, oh, something's happened. But you know, in that race he he continued to push along. And I think that was, as you say, I think that was his first podium. Um that he that he managed and uh, you know, he was super happy. You talked about heat and one thing that, you know, he was concerned about heat and so I think we've talked about this before, but he went through, again, it was just process. He did hot water immersion protocol, which, you know, everyone who, you know, does our program, if they've got a hot race, they have access to that 
you know, hot water immersion. It's not, it's not rocket science. I mean, if you've got a bath, you fill it up and, uh, you know, started about 30, 35 degrees Celsius, 40 degrees Celsius, and then start to increase the temperature, use a thermometer, stay in there for at least 20 minutes. Uh, and you do that sort of two weeks out from a race. Um, it works. I mean, everyone who's done it, it they, they go like, wow, that it really did work. I didn't feel one bit of heat, uh, you know, heat stress when they were there and it prepares them. It, it, it is. It's, uh, it, it's really... Uh, people on this show have heard me talk about the sauna protocol, which is um, which is it, its quote in principle is exactly the same thing. It's basically heat exposure post workout, uh, limited to no hydration while doing it, putting the body under heat stress, getting a hormonal response to deliver physiological adaptations to equip you to operate better in heat. This is and this this is not new research, but the fact that the efficacy of of the hot water immersion aka a bath can be just as effective and that's fantastic news not everyone has that easy access or access at all to a sauna well that's right maddie like you yeah you know not everyone has a sauna like i wish i wish i had a sauna but i don't (laughs) and you know a bath a lot of people will have a bath so it you know it, it it's a little bit longer than the the sauna protocol but at least from a practical standpoint they can get in one and do it so it's uncomfortable though isn't it like you know you talk to any of the athletes and they're like wow i didn't think sitting in a bath up to my neck for you know 30 minutes at you know 60 degrees celsius would be hard but it's really hard and but it it does create changes and that's that's really cool it's a practical thing it's just a practical thing though it's not it's not rocket science it's not it's not difficult from the standpoint of like you know you just got to do it and you've got to do it repeatedly it has to be done over and over it's got to be done every single day or after every you know session and you've just got to do it but you know listen to a good podcast watch watch an episode of game of thrones something like that yeah exactly get you get your uh yeah just don't get your laptop in the bath but uh get, but no that is exactly. on a podcast <laughs> What more? I tell you, and that that'll actually take the. I was going to say it might amplify the pain, not take the pain away. But uh, but no, I think that's that that was in fact Pat, our our case study du jour a couple of weeks ago. That we we very much leveraged the hot water immersion, but Andy as well. And I think that that was that was almost the other big intervention. You know, you you really got him organised around his eating. The test, retest, refine, confidence build, empowerment under fueling and hydration, where in any condition now, Andy is equipped to make decisions and understand what his body needs. And with that, it it, it creates a filter because he doesn't get distracted. He just knows what he needs to do. And he doesn't get, get go digging into every little rabbit hole of some solution that is actually there right in front of him. And then finally the hot water immersion. And those were the things, and, and you mentioned that first race, Tulsa, tremendous performance, first podium. Since that race, every race that he's done, he's he's created, which is the magic phrase for me, performance predictability. A podium in every single race he's gone to, the World Championship, 70.3 distance. There obviously hasn't been an Ironman World Championships yet. He will be racing in St. George in May next year. 
But every single performance in St. George, 70.3 world championships, fifth place in his age group, which I think a year ago he wouldn't have even dared to dream about. And it's not in honesty. I think that the moral of the story here isn't because, oh, I'm some fantastic coach or Scott has this magic solution that's an ointment that you put. It's about organization knowledge transfer and the athlete i think andy deserves a tremendous amount of credit you you mentioned this but for his desire to learn and be process driven and really and and filter out a lot of the information say i'm going to follow i'm going to learn and i'm going to participate in the process and then out of that he he's really become really more of an autonomous athlete in many ways yep yeah now that I think uh, what was I was reading something. I don't know if you've read Atomic Habits uh, by James Clear. It's a, it's a good book. It, it's really interesting. I like some of the stuff. He, he's very process driven, which I really like. Um, you know, and you you read that book, and one of the things that stood out for me was you know, don't just go for a run. Don't just go for a bike. Be a runner. Be a cyclist. In Andy's case, he decided he wanted to be a triathlete. And so he became that triathlete. He did everything that a triathlete would do. So I think like a really good message for everyone out there is like when you're you're struggling with your weight, for instance, like think about what an athlete would do. If you want to be a triathlete and you want to like hit certain things, think about what, you know, uh, Lucy Charles is doing, for instance, or Jan Frederda. I can never say his name, Fred. <laughs> yeah, what would it, what, what would he be doing? What would he be eating? What would she be eating? What would she be doing on the bike? What would he be doing on the run? And put yourself in their place and start thinking like the athlete. And that's what Andy did. He just wanted to be that athlete. And it's so cool to see when you, you know, you create that repeatability. And, and as you said, that uh, re- he could reproduce, you know, a performance that we knew he was capable of. And he wasn't just doing it once, he was doing it over and over again. I think massive credit to Andy for doing that. Well, and near perimenopausal female executive, Pat Romano, maturing athlete, getting faster, evolving the whole approach with age. Andy Williams, amateur athlete to now. Andy, you've earned it, elite amateur. Goodness me, he's never gonna let me live that down. I've said that to him. So, uh, but um, Andy, the Welshness does not wash off. Just remember that. It's a bit like Scotty and his, uh, his burden of being Australian. It won't wash off. But uh, as a pure Englishman that I am, I'd like to say, Scotty, thank you so much for joining over these three episodes. Really, really fun to talk to you. Really interesting. And uh, we'll be sharing more about the program and our partnership with Fuelin over the the coming weeks. But uh, as ever, keep your questions coming. I really appreciate it. And uh, Scott, you look after yourself and stay safe down there, okay? Thanks, Matty. Really enjoyed that one. Take care. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Purple Patch Podcast. And if you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if we share with your friends and really go the extra mile. Head over to Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform to follow, rate, and review the show. Your support and reviews go a long way to increasing our visibility and, of course, the exposure to time-starved people everywhere who want to integrate sport into life and ultimately thrive, just like me and you. Don't forget, 
you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Links to the episode resources and all of our programs can be found at purplepatchfitness.com. Thanks much for listening. Take care.